So hello and welcome back to the What's Fashion Technology podcast. So usually on this podcast, we discuss any innovation revolutionizing the fashion industry with technology. But this episode's actually slightly different. And the reason for that is because recently I've been really inspired by the author Robert Greene. And the reason that I've been inspired by Robert Greene is because recently I listened to a podcast where he was explaining that humans are actually losing cognition and how it's actually getting worse because we're losing this mind-to-hand coordination. So obviously that really got me thinking about how much of design and just general creative processes are becoming more and more digital. And then I was thinking how much is too much with this digital transformation and does design need a digital detox to ensure we don't lose these crafts that have been passed down for years and years? Because I know personally, although I embrace digital technology within the creative process, I know that there is something just so satisfying about sewing or making something physically. And I also do truly believe in the importance of continuing to pass down these skills and crafts. So in this way, I do think it's important to explore this topic specifically in design as, yeah, it could actually be beneficial for design to have a digital detox every once in a while. So that's why this week's episode is a conversation with the designer and workshop technician, Kathy Grogan. So I actually do know Kathy from Amsterdam and we actually used to live together. So one of the first things I actually noticed about Kathy was how good she was at making things in the physical world with physical materials. For instance, things like tables or clocks or just sculptures. She just seemed to have a natural knack at it. However, when I first met Kathy, she was working in a fully 3D design job. So she's a talented designer who's had experience working fully digitally, fully physically, and now works in a combination of the two. So of course, for this episode, I thought Kathy was the perfect person to speak to to discuss whether design does need a digital detox. So in this episode, you'll hear Kathy's personal story into design, her perspective on the advantages and disadvantages of both physical and digital design, the psychological benefits of engaging in physical making, and finally, how we can respect traditional crafts, but still use digital to get the best of both worlds. So I do think this is a really interesting conversation. I think it sparks a lot of food for thought and interesting questions. So as always, I really hope you enjoy this episode and enjoy hearing Kathy's story. And I can't wait to hear what you think. So enjoy. So I'm Kathy, Kathy Rogan. uh, And I'm a 3D designer um, and I guess workshop technician. So all of my work is centered around 3D model making, designing a computer, building, sourcing materials, um, and then just making other people's ideas come to life, basically, or to the 3D world. This is why I wanted to speak to you, because obviously with design, with all types of design, we're going down this digital route. And that's obviously what I speak about on this podcast of the benefits of digital technology and how it can improve different processes. But I had this idea that maybe we're losing certain skills, but also a certain satisfaction by not making things with our hands. And obviously when you're making something and it's labor intensive and you're putting your physical effort into making something, there's a different type of satisfaction when you're done with it, even if you spent hours and hours designing something on a computer. So I wanted to speak to you about that. Like, how do you feel about that kind of mental well-being that you get from making something physically because obviously you design things digitally and physically but we'll get into that it's it's actually so it's it's really it's nice to have someone make me like think about these kind of things because it makes me realize 
benefits of both. So like resin, I, whenever I design in 3D on the computer, I'm always going to like glass and like clear and the, like shiny and things that re reflect and light and color. And um, that's obviously because I did all these years working with epoxy and resin, which is just like see-through color, poppy. Um, and yeah, all those, the top, like it was, it was really like hours and hours of sanding and polishing. But it was so satisfying when something was finished and you would put it like in a gallery and everyone's like, holy shit, that is sick. Like, how how do you do that? Um, so the payoff, it, it, it's worth it. But with the 3D, like on a computer, I mean, I've mulled over ideas with epoxy in my head for months and months and months. And I never, I never make them because number one, it could waste the resin, which is expensive. Number two, it's hours and almost days of work and it might not even work out. And now that I use Blender, I can just take that idea and bring it into Blender and give it all the same like physical qualities and see how it looks before I even make it. With 3D computer stuff, I can make stuff in an hour that I, I would never be able to make by hand. And does that give you the same satisfaction? Like that innate thing within you that loves making things and loves making things with resin. When you create it in 3D, is it that same sense of accomplishment it's it's a different sense of accomplishments it's not that it's not that it's not that it's not as rewarding it's just different because the things i would do on a computer are way more complex than i would ever do in real life uh so when i when i do them and they look sick on the computer on the screen i'm like wow that's sick i love it fantastic um but when it's in real life i guess i guess i get into a different flow when i'm in the workshop I put it on the headphones, I put on a banging song and I just like, I'm like sanding and feeling and touching and making sure it looks great and polishing and like spraying water and it's all like, I'm in the zone. It's just a different, it's different. I feel like a lot of people are passionate about like design or art, but I've never really met someone who loves making things like you do, but also just has the knack for it as well. Because I feel like, it just comes naturally to you to make stuff and like just see it. It's it's kind of, it's the, the longer I've been in this profession, the, like the more things I just kind of learn, uh, the more I realize that it's not, it's like it really doesn't come naturally to people. It's kind of hilarious. So when people have really simple things, I'm just like, oh, you just do this. You just put this in the hole. I mean, you just get the drill, you put the drill bit in and they're looking at me like I have 10 heads and I'm like, okay, drill bit go to the shop it's the definition of kind of just having the eye for it in a way yeah honestly i think it was because i grew up around it it's just i mean my dad always had the workshop and it was just there and if something was broken he would say well you know where the drill is just figure it out and there was no like don't break anything it was always just like figure it out do you think it was kind of like you were problem solving and that trained you or you were a natural and therefore drawn to it when your dad was doing the workshop stuff? I think I was always a bit of a curious kind of creative kid. And then, to be honest, my dad just gave me the resources to, like, explore that. So if I, for example, wanted a sword or, like, a bow and arrow, he would say, all right, there's the stick. This is what you do. Do the thing. Or when I wanted a bow and arrow, he made the bow and arrow for me. And he told me how he did it. So then it would be like the best possible bow and arrow. Um, 
I was curious, then he showed me, and then the learning and the knowing how, it, it gets you into a problem-solving mindset. So what kind of things were you making when you were younger? And then how did it evolve as you got older and then decided you actually wanted to do this as your job? So it started off with like kind of dens and bases. You know, when you're a kid and you want to hang out with your friends and you build like a little den in a in a, in a a bush, basically. But I would take mine like to the next level because all the kids would just like find sticks and make dens. And I was like, well, I've got a saw, I've got a drill. Like we can really make this like legit. As, as time went on, I was like, oh, I want to make a box because I want to put my stuff in this box. And then it just kind of went from there. And it was always really shoddy, like just bare minimum. And the more complex or it got, uh, like from making sticks to making boxes, uh, then my dad would say, okay, now you need to use this tool. And then you would go, this is how you use it. Off you go. And then you would get into like the power tools. To be honest, I was always just like a handy, curious kid. And then I, I never did art in school. Like when I was in school, I was just, I just, I was told, put your head down, study hard, and then you go to college. And it, the creative thing was never, it never was an obvious career path. That's really interesting. I wanted to ask you, did you study DT? Yeah, so I love tech drawing. But I honestly just thought it was because I was really like analytical and logical and it was like 3D world. I, I remember being in, det in detention, which is so funny. I was in detention every Wednesday after school. And in the detention room, there was like this poster and it was uh, product design. I remember thinking, and I had pictures of like objects and like computers and like products essentially. And I was like, that's so cool. You can like design products. Like I didn't know that was like a job. Years later, I graduated and I applied for that for college and I never got it because I didn't do very well in school. And then I was like, all right, I guess that's uh, that career path out the window. I was like, all right, I guess I'll just be a police officer. So, oh, really? Do you not know this, though? Yeah, I studied criminology because I wanted to be in the police force because I thought I didn't well in school. I can't get into college. Uh, and then I, I hated that. I was like, you had to, I had to learn, like, politics and social studies. I hated it. By this time, I was, like, 19, like, or something. And my mate, Sarah, she was like why don't you just do art? And I was like, what do you mean just do art? Like, that's not a career. I can't do that. But it was three-dimensional studies. So you were sculpting, learning how to paint, learning how to hold a pencil, how to, like, draw 3D objects in relation to, like, where you're standing, that kind of stuff. And then in learning all that, you make a portfolio. And then you use that portfolio to get into, like, big college. And was that, when you were doing that course... Did you get that same kind of thrill and satisfaction that you got when you were making things in your dad's workshop when you were younger? Oh, it was even more. It was even more. It was like, holy shit, this is like a real thing. And then the teachers were like, okay, this is your, this is what you can do with the skills you have. Like, you can make this a career. And I was like, wait, what? Like, this is actually real. People actually go to college for this shit. Um, and they had all the resources. They Like, you were just constantly learning how to get better at, like, 3D and how to interpret and how to turn 2D into 3D and re into reality and it was just it was just sick it was all real and then so you then went into your career where you're obviously making things physically in real life and what was your first job doing this and what kind of things did you make so I did product design in product design they give you a choice well I did product design in an art college 
So it was quite contemporary. And you can either do like products where you design on a computer or you can do products where it's like handcrafted, like artisan, material focus and everything is like really lovely and nice. And I was like, I really enjoy the craft and I want to work with my hands. So then when I left college, I worked for an artist working with epoxy and resin. And we used to make stuff for basically galleries and shows. And it was really like intense, labor intensive, like sanding, polishing, like making really, really high end gallery pieces. Yeah, so I wanted to, so now going back, I wanted to speak to you about how you found your love for resin. So you were you were doing your first job with your artist. Is this where you first started working with resin and kind of fell in love with it in a sense? Yeah, basically. I, I mean, I had no intention of ever working with resin before I worked with my old boss. Like, I just thought it was so cool to work for an artist and put stuff in galleries. I was like, that's amazing. At the beginning, I was like, wow, this is like, this material is absolutely insane. Like, it's, it smells like petrol. It comes in liquid form. It like, it's super toxic. Again, like resin and epoxy is such a controversial thing to, to really love. Always loved neons and colors. And then I realized, oh wow, resin is a really good material to express this kind of kind of visual within. Then I was like, okay, resin, light, color. I guess it just works. Yeah. And then you, you get into and then you get into the, the whole thing of plastics and acrylics and then it all and then like recycled materials and it's just like it all gets very exciting. And you must have really learned so many skills in working with resin. Is that something specific for just working with that material or is it something that you've been able to carry with you in other work done? The biggest thing is like uh, polishing and sanding. Like I could say I have a fucking master's degree in sanding. There's many, many types of resins and there's many types of like ways of working with resin. Some people just pour it in a mold and it comes out shiny and beautiful and you never have to touch it. And then some people pour it into a mold and it comes out like totally warped. So then you've got a warped cube and you want like a square cube. So then you have to sand or like even sand it or cut it. And then when you sand it, you have to polish it. Uh, and that's just hours and days of work. So uh, it, it all depends really. It's so cool. It's also cool. And I think... Yeah, although resin is a controversial thing to love, like you said, I think the final result that you get with it is really, really satisfying and you can create some really cool, like, loud things. It's so lush as well. The beautiful thing about resin is if you put, because you can encapsulate stuff in it as well, right? If you put the most mundane, cheap-looking object inside resin, it looks valuable. Like, it's just, everyone's like, holy shit, that's so sick. Yes. Um... So it's just super fun, but also it just comes in a lot of work. So it's, it's a sacrifice that you, you make. Yeah, exactly. So then it was, so you were doing things, you're working physically. You even had your own workshop where you yeah. were creating things with your hands, very much loving that process. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And then you had to, so what exactly happened? Did you have to start working digitally or did you... What was what happened in the pandemic that made you have to switch to a digital focus? To be honest, I, the pandemic made me set up the workshop. Then I had a workshop and a place to make stuff with my hands. I got a job after the pandemic in startup digital tech. And that, that took me completely out of the workshop. But then the workshop got scrapped because I was completely on the computer, digital, all digital. I was thrown in the deep end. They needed stuff uh, and I was just learning on the fly. What was the shift like for you going from working for an 
for an artist making all these amazing things in resin, showing them in galleries to then have to work digitally. Was there a part of you that was less satisfied with your work or were you more excited to be learning new skills in digital? Like how was that whole shift for you? I really loved the the learning blender because the reward was, was so great. You could just watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Can't recommend YouTube enough. This is the best. Uh, and then at the end of it, you got something like really super cool. And all you've done is sat behind a desk all day. Uh, <laughs> and it, to be honest, like I've always worked in the workshop and then the cafes. And I just, all of my work was always super labor intensive. And then to have this job sitting behind a desk, uh, making 3D stuff and it looking great and people being really happy with it. Uh, it was it was quite nice. It was like being on the other side. Ah, yeah. Almost like a treat after the expensive yeah. stuff. It was like a treat, but then eventually it got boring because I did, I learned what I thought um, was, I kind of reached a wall of what I could learn. Um, and then I really started to miss working with my hands. What was the main thing you were missing about working with your hands? I just wanted to be in a workshop with my headphones in just like making something there was in the flow in the flow there's something about like honestly there's something about it at the moment now my current job is it's half and half which is really nice um but when i was in the tech job i was longing to just be like put on a, a like a blare and chat track in like a workshop and just like start making something and just you know get into it and what are some of the key steps involved in the physical process of design that differ from the digital process? So physical, everything has to be thought of and worked out before you start or else you're going to fail. You need to know how much material you need. You need to know what level of finish you're going to go to, what standards you want because of time. Uh, you need to know what tools. Like, I mean, you also might be using new methods that you've never used before. You're, you're trying to basically problem solve everything before you even get to it. Because if you get to something and then you realize, oh, I have, I've sealed up this box and I need to get inside. Now I need to take everything apart. So you need to work out everything before you start. And chances are you'll miss links. So then you have to go back a few steps. Um, and with computer, it's just, you're just kind of feeling it out. For me, I'm just feeling it out. I'm not making anything too complex on the computer uh, with lots of parts. But there's also a million ways to do one thing in Blender. So it all depends on the way that you work in the software. And then you can also like have happy mistakes uh, on the computer. You can mess around with things um, and have completely different results all in the space of like minutes. Uh, so you might start with something and end up making something completely different that looks way better than your original idea. So the room for play is is a lot more in digital. Like that's definitely there. That's really interesting. And I think it's it's interesting because I feel like now we are, we are entering this digital world, there will yeah. be a lot of designers who will have only ever designed digitally and not had those years of working labor intense, like you said, actually making things physically. Do you think it is almost easier to design digitally or is it just a different skill set in your honest opinion? It depends on where, like, I mean, it, it also depends on what you value in, like, I mean, I love touching, smelling, like, feeling things, like, all, I'm always touching shit, I'm always smelling shit, um, and you, you just can't get in the digital, you can't get that in the digital world, so for people who, their output is like, I want to make something beautiful for a website, and I want it to look sick, or a poster, 
like sure digital is the best output well for me I love to have something in front of me uh, and I'm like and people can interact with it and engage in all the other senses but then also I think if you're someone who has never built anything in your life and you're making digital things for somebody else to make you're I, I, I don't think I don't think it works because when you're making something in the digital world for somebody to ultimately make you need to know how it's made, like where the, the screw holes are going to go. You need to know how somebody ultimately is going to make it at the end of the day. And if you've never done that and you've never worked in a workshop or you've never worked with all the standardized materials, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. You're just making shit that looks nice. That's not really functional. That's a really, really good way to explain it. Because if you're really passionate about designing something for a website, designing a digital object that is intended for digital end use yeah then that's an amazing skill to have and can be equally as satisfying in your exactly. in that but if you are designing something that has a physical end use then it's obviously beneficial to have that physical experience in creating something yeah 100 i mean if you know that if someone wants to make it you're like okay you need nine millimeter acrylic it needs to be printed on this. I want it made in this way using this material and this machine. And then also if you're designing products on an industrial level, and um, you need to know what standard industrial stuff is and that things are going to pass safety regulations. Just like living in, you know, blender world and not having experience in that level. Um, it, it only gets you so far, I think. I think. Uh, you know. No, I think that's a really good way to look at it. It shows that there are different levels to it. And in that way, do you think that there is a danger that if we focus too much on digital designing and also designing kind of remotely through digital, then we're going to lose key skills and knowledge that allow us to create things that have more value in the physical world? Because in my my way of thinking about this is is for you if you have all this experience of building something physically, then you just have it within your mind of what's going to work and then you're able to design a product that is going to stand the test of time longer in the world and in a way we go down too much of a digital route we could lose this kind of expertise yeah i was i was thinking about this and from a product design background um, and just the world of crafts and, and making and just working with raw materials it's an art it is an art form and there's all these people who have like paved the way in understanding everything there is to know about i don't know oak or walnut and those kind of people have worked for centuries on crafting, making their craft with these these materials. And without those, you wouldn't have people being able to mimic uh, wood on Blender. I think people need to pay like respect to crafts and, and working with your hands. Um, and I think they're always going to go hand in hand. Digital are always going to need people who understand materials and who are in the crafts industry. And like digital goes so far, it's not just like 3D modeling, there's also textile I was thinking about this like textile design and people who digitalize the entire textile industry and robots are weaving carpets and shit like these are all based off of you know craftspeople's designs so they go hand in hand with each other um, and I think digital sure it can it can go from here and, but I think it's going to lose originality and without the craftspeople behind yeah I love how you said that because in a way the reason we're able to do all this stuff in digital is all this physical stuff that came before it and it's these crafts that have been passed down. Exactly. And if we lose that and if we stop developing things physically, then what we can do digitally will also stop or change the direction in a way. It will completely, like, I mean, 
right now, like digital is just absolutely insane. Like if you think of all these like crazy visuals that people are using for like music backgrounds on stages and stuff, all these mad visuals, like sure, not a lot of them are based off of real life things, but some of them are. I mean, spirals, yeah, are based off of biomimicry stuff and things that are nature, like in nature. But yeah, it, I think it'll just go on and on and on and then it'll, it'll just be completely inhuman. But then there's going to come a point where maybe we'll, we'll want to go back to the basics, you know, and then we'll have to yeah, just make something from wood and <laughs> yeah. make a chair. And that's this yeah. is what I wanted to ask you. Obviously, working within the industry, have you noticed the way people designing shift as we've gone down a more digital focus? Or have you noticed people not wanting to make things physically because it's just so much more efficient with digital or the opposite or people craving making things physically because it's digitally focused it seemed like when i was in college it seemed like the easy route was to just make prototypes and had this really cool concept because again the the time that it takes to build something that functions and looks good uh is it's all consuming uh when you could actually just make a concept and like make a 3d model and then have a prototype and have it 3d printed so people can get like an idea so yeah, the way people think and design is is more is slightly different. Um, I think only three people in my entire course made something that was functional and beautiful, wow. and the rest, the other like twenty five, made concepts and prototypes and and that kind of thing. Do you think that that's an instant gratification thing, and the fact that we're just we're used to getting yeah instant results and not wanting to actually put in the time to wait the end result in a way in 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 that scenario i mean i i think it was pretty cool that people could take these wild concepts that they had and make them like bring them slightly into reality and make prototypes because if you were to spend all that time like for example someone had a chair that was made of foam and the idea was that you sit on the chair and it makes you feel a certain way and it was ne- it was never finished to the like to the bitter ends uh or factory standard but you got the idea and and the concept was there and it was fun. It was interactive. And that kind of approach to rapid prototyping and making, it definitely allows you to just be more creative. Like you're not getting bogged down on, okay, this chair needs to be made out of foam and I need to source the company that makes foam and that you know, and in that sense you can explore more crazy ideas. And then with digital, you can also explore more crazy ideas. I mean, digital makes it allows us to do stuff that you would never once have dreamt of doing. In that way, does your creative process change when you're making something digitally versus physically? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I don't really make things that are super complex. But for example, if, I mean, the most basic example would be if I wanted to make something for under the TV, like a TV stands, I just, you know, throw it in Blender, work out the dimensions and see, okay, how long do I want those legs? Um, Like, how many shelves do I want? Uh, how big does the TV look on it when I make it all in digital world? Whereas before, you would have to, I guess, what, draw it out with a piece of paper and a pen and yeah. buy the material. And once you bought the material, that's it. It's It has to be made the way that you said it was going to be made. Whereas on Blender, I can you know make it smaller, make it wider, make it taller, add more shelves. I can take shelves away and no materials wasted. Would you say that's the main benefit of 3D? Yeah. The fact that you can iterate faster without investing in the physical materials. It depends on what you're using 3D for. Like, I mean, I would use 3D for mostly working out how something's going to be made. So in that sense, yes, it saves me a lot of time, a lot of materials. 
I can make something in 3D before I ever even make it in real life and work out how big something's going to be. Or if I send something away to be cut, I can bring it into 3D world and make sure all my cuts are perfect. But then in resin world, I could make something in 3D on the computer that I would never make in resin world. And I can use all these colors that I would never, ever use. And it would still look, I would, yeah, I would make something really beautiful in 3D world. It sounds like you really have found the perfect mix between physical and digital. And it sounds like you believe in the benefits of them both. But how do you think we yeah. can, how do you think we can use them in combination with each other to, to ensure that we don't lose physical crafts, which is so important, but still use the benefits of 3D? There's so many things I think of when I think about that. And I think of all these beautifully crafted things that are made using the latest technology, like robot arms that um, have drill bits on the end. And they're they're actually carving these beautiful carvings out of wood using a robot arm. But I think the most basic example of not sticking to stone age, like, I mean, woodwork, for example. You've got stone age methods, of, or not stone age, but you've got these old crafts, people's like methods of just using a chisel uh, and using a hand drill where you by hand drill a hole in the wood. And like, I mean, that's just, that's not realistic, right? That's, it's, 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 it's not sustainable. And then you have a drill and then you have like an electric saw uh, and you have CNC machines and all these electrical sanders. And that's the most basic tech improving crafts. And then it goes further where you have a block of wood and you give it to a robot arm and it drills into the wood and makes this beautiful sculpture. But I guess if you can keep physical materials in the in in the circle and then have all this super high tech like robots and digital things and combine them and like make really beautiful things that are physical out of beautiful materials. That would be a nice way of combining the two. It's a reminder that these tools, they are just a natural evolution. Wouldn't make sense to drill we have something that can do it more efficiently and with these digital tools we should just view them in the same way. It's like, why not use them to improve and speed up what we're doing, but still not lose that final end result? I just had a, I just had a thought that I want to ask you. So if you think about yourself when you were a child, like making things physically, mm. do you think if you had had, if your dad had said to you, oh, design this in, you can use a computer, you can design it in 3D, do you yeah. think you could have, do you think you would have enjoyed it the same? I definitely would have enjoyed it, but I don't think I would have made with my hands as much as I do now. Yeah. I wouldn't have even... I, if I was given the opportunity to make 3D stuff on the computer... Actually, yeah. I think if I was given the opportunity to make 3D stuff on the computer from the very beginning, mm. I wouldn't have any incentive to go into a workshop. Yeah, yeah and that, that's even... That's kind of the the point of what I was trying to get to with this is now have now if you think because obviously you you're in your career as a designer and you have the physical experience you have the digital experience you're able to bring them both together if if you're if there's a new designer who's only ever or just has more access to 3d and they're more native towards they're kind of learning how to design in 3d then it's giving them less incentive to design or make things physically and in a way is that going to make people lose skills that have been passed down for generations i think i did i actually genuinely think it is good i mean it's it's easy for anybody to go on youtube and 
and learn a Blender tutorial. It's actually it is accessible to anybody with a computer. And for somebody to number one, find a workshop. And then number two, have someone with the patience to teach them how to use, I don't know, a table saw, um, un- I don't know, uninsured, like with the possibility of cutting their finger off. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, it's it's more work. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's more accessible, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but it's, it's cool. It's great, but it is yeah, like- obviously good and bad to both. Yeah, but it's actually quite interesting, and it's interesting that you said, "Yeah, you'd have just less incentive to make things physically." Yeah. But again, not everyone has access to someone, yeah, to those materials or a workshop, and it's amazing that they can do it via a computer. So there's definitely two sides to it. But in this way, what advice would you give to someone getting into this, wanting to be the best? creator maker of anything anything. like but obviously they have this choice do I go down a more digital route do I go down a more physical route what advice would you give to them go on to YouTube 100% I am you know me I love YouTube it is my bread and butter um and just subscribe to a few people and just check in every day um and you'll see these people DIY makers and people who are just fixing stuff watch that for a bit and then follow some tutorials um about blender or like sketchup or any 3d software just like follow a little four hour tutorial where at the end you have made something and see if you get that sense of gratification like when i follow a youtube tutorial if i'm if i get to the end i feel like i really accomplished something and and then if you want to make something physically I mean, I've always had access to tools. So for somebody who doesn't have access to tools, I think there might be like kits or something to like, I think the, there's an old like saying where they say, just build a birdhouse. It's like, that's the first thing that you should just like try and make. Um, and you might be able to buy a little birdhouse kit or if you buy a couple piece of wood and like a wooden like dell and a drill and a saw, like you can make a birdhouse. And just again, see if it gives you the same level of gratification yeah that's good advice i think it's like i think so many people it's like daunting to start any new skill even if that's that could be anything like learning an instrument or like just anything where you have to really put in the time to learn something and i think if you just go into it like really where you're just playing around with it every day like for no end goal really that is the way to build up so it's like how you were doing when you were younger just slowly learning it over time and then it ended up now being your career so it's like it's just like that's like the natural evolution but it's something you genuinely enjoy and through that you'll figure out what you do enjoy and now you found that you can you've obviously done fully digital making fully physical making now you have the mixture of the two and it's it's all worked out really well I think just being playful like a lot of people a lot like in my circles are like, oh my god, I could never do that. I could never. I don't even know how to hold a drill. And I, I, I honestly think anybody with the right mindset can make something. Like anybody. I mean, sure, use a hammer and a nail. Like if I hand you four le- like four pieces of wood that were stick shaped or like I don't know leg shaped, and a, like a top, that you could you would make a table. Like it, you would just put the legs on and that. It's just you have to have like not be afraid of failing. And for it's probably gonna look shit. 
It's like just just get your hands dirty. Just just and sometimes when things look bad, they they're they're fun, you know. It's just yeah, it's like when people say when oh I can't paint. It's just like just just get the paint and the canvas and just go for it. Dude, who cares what it looks like? You know? That's really good advice. <laughs> It's the same with digital as well, like, except you don't break anything and you can't cut off any fingers. <laughs> there you go. See, that's like the perfect way to explain it in a way. Yeah. So as as like a final question for you, what do you think the future of designing will be? I thought about this one. I think it is going to be crafts and digital in semiosis or where, if I think that's the right word. Like together, working together, uh, together collectively and learning from each other. I think people who are in like old crafts and even like just like a generic carpenter, they can they can learn from all these like digital progressive movements. I think digital people can really learn from like craft people. And if they can work together, beautiful, beautiful little, little marriage. I think it'd be great. That's so true. And I really hope that that is, the way that it all evolves hopefully hopefully yeah where can people um see your work or follow you or anything like this so i have my design page which is i think it's c grogan uh, with an underscore and then there's my personal one yeah, which is not really design related uh, <laughs> i don't know if that's relevant uh which is just kathy and dublin I usually post kind of nonchalant, sometimes makey stuff on there. Um, but most of my design makey things are on Seagrogan underscore. Amazing. What amazing. Well, thank you so much. There's so many so much good food for thought. And I think it is important as we go down this digital route to remember that I think my favorite thing that what you said was that we have everything we have digitally has been drawn from something that was physical or a physical craft. So it's important to continue evolving both and then bring them together for the best way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said earlier, like with the, if you're creating like a rubber texture in in Blender, for example, you need to know like the physical qualities of rubber, the, like the physical makeup. How rough is it? How shiny is it? And um, how does it react to gravity? That kind of stuff. And um, what, what does it weigh? Uh, and those kind of things you need to know the ba- like you have to have a basic knowledge of, of materials um, but again I think anybody could do that if you've got some common, common sense so well, you say that but then it comes naturally to you <laughs> yeah true no that's amazing no thank you so much that was so good 